Welcome to the Wedding Masters Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Messinetti. Today, I'm excited to have one of the premier DJs in the industry, DJ Sparks. Hey, Sparks, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for doing this. This is great. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. For those who, who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of your resume. So what's going on to all the listeners, of course, uh, thank you for for being here with us. Thank you for tuning in. My name is DJ Sparks, premier DJ in New York City. And I think most notable, everybody would say, of course, uh, Cardi B's uh, personal tour DJ. And um, I also do a lot of radio in New York City. Uh, I'm a mixed show DJ on Hot 97. I am featured on Apple Music. I'm also featured on Sirius XM. And a wide range of other platforms have also hosted me. Cool. I didn't know about the Apple Music. What What do you do with Apple Music? So actually, I was uh, actually featured on a hip hop show on Apple Music, which I plan on doing a few more episodes of. It was uh, low key. Uh, the, the host is, is, is low key. And he's on Apple Music, and uh, he has a throwback hip-hop uh, radio show. Oh, cool. Right, right. So if you go on Apple Music, you can actually type in DJ Sparks. It's DJ S-P-A-R-K-X, for those of you that, that uh, don't know how it's spelled. And um, you can find me right on Apple Music. So Nice, nice. And <clears throat> you've also done uh, festivals, right? Like Lollapalooza and things like that? Yes. So I've I've been um on at Coachella. I think that was probably the most my 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 favorite uh festival was Coachella simply because um that day I, I opened up for Beyonce. Wow, nice. Yeah. But I've done them all. I've I've done all the festivals across the US. Uh you name it, I I've been there. I've been there. Wow, that's that's really good. And uh television, you have you done television? I have. I was actually um I was featured on Jimmy Kimmel, uh Saturday Night Live, Wendy Williams. I've been on at the BT Awards numerous times, um, the VMAs. Um and I was I was on I I've I've performed at the Grammys before, but unfortunately on that show I didn't get any T V time. So okay. that that wasn't they didn't they didn't air I didn't get to have a cameo, but you did hear my voice um, while I was uh, performing with Cardi B. I've been I've been on a couple of other shows as well, but those will probably be the most notable. Nice. That, uh, you'll see all over the place, like around the country. Well, as a musician, I know a lot of musicians who have been nominated for Grammys or even have won Grammys, and it's very difficult to get airtime because they they cut they try to cut the shows down, and a lot of people get cut out. So. That's understandable, right. but that's great that you were even invited to do it. Right, right, right. And sometimes you get you get shadowed uh, because of bigger acts and and, and different things. So sure. it happened. Yeah. So what? Well, yes. So so let's go back to the beginning. What made yep. you What made you want to become a DJ in the first place? Uh, I think my career happened all by accident. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess let me let me start by saying I'm over 20 years in the game. All right. And um, I, I'm I'm jokingly saying it happened by accident, but it, it happened by accident, but on purpose. It all started in high school. 
it was I didn't when I first started I didn't expect it to be a career right I just kind of started doing it for fun right as a hobby and I think that's how we all start in the music industry we kind of all just start by enjoying ourselves and just enjoying a passion yeah that's it's you know I've been playing drums since I'm 10 years old and I started playing uh, professionally at 15 so it was all about passion it wasn't about money or anything else like that yeah it wasn't about that it wasn't about that and I, and, I, and you know from there um so I started around 15 and um from there it was just a hobby we were I was doing like house parties and stuff um at the time you know the thing was you know go to school uh, get a job, get a career, and so on. It was never, you know, follow your dream and be an artist or nothing like that. You know, I come from a very um, conservative family. So, you know, it was always go to school, go to school, go to school. So this is the non-conventional route that I ended up taking. Um, when I got to college, I think that's when I realized that I was onto something. So I originally went to college and I majored in physical therapy. Okay. Believe it or not. Yeah, believe it or not. I, I majored in physical therapy and did uh, two and a half years. And then eventually I stopped going to my first school because uh, I was out late every night chasing a dream. So I would be out late every night, but then I would be in class every morning and i tried never to take an 8 a.m class but i was taking like the 9 a.m 9 30 classes but that's know, rough yeah it, it was rough, it was I, rough. Did, I did that for a while too i was playing in a band and you know playing five nights a week in clubs and you know going to college at the same time it's not easy no it's not easy and you know when you first start college you you just don't really understand the delicate balance of work sleep study so you know, I was tired in class every day and I was I was messing up at my first school. So I ended up leaving my first school, took took a break from school for a little while. So I realized that I couldn't focus. And then uh, about a year I spent not going to school and then I went back to school and then I, I went to a community college. I picked up an associate's degree. And then and then I went and transferred into another four-year college. I went to, uh, then I went to Queens College in New York, and um, I was trying to finish a bachelor's. That's when I realized that, you know, my schedule was way too busy. Because then, at the time, I started touring at different colleges. And how old are you about this time? Um, by the time I got to my third school, I was about twenty-five. Okay. Roughly, roughly about 25. And at the time, you know, I was I was touring at different colleges because I had gotten popular. So when I was at my first college, I had gotten really popular at all of the other schools. So I went to New York Institute of Technology first. But surrounding it, we had uh, SUNY O. Westbury. We had LIU um, Post. We had Hofstra. We had Adelphi. We had a lot of schools surrounding my school. I had gotten really, really popular. And this was like before social media was like this big thing that we see today. Um, we had MySpace at best. And um, 
you know, Facebook was just coming onto the scene. And, uh, you know, I was packing out shows where it was almost unheard of. So, like, they would book me at, like, Adelphi University. But then every everybody from every school on Long Island would come hear me play simply because I was at Adelphi. You would see lines around the corner. So every school wanted to have me simply because, you know, booking me meant that you would have a line of people ready to come to your school. So wow, that's pretty hot. Right, right, right. And it's crazy how college campuses work because generally, like, you know, there's a sign-in policy when you don't go to a school to get in. So basically, you need somebody on the campus to sign you in to get to get on the campus. So being that everybody knew me, I also made it where it was like, okay, if you needed to get in, you know, reach out to me and I'll get somebody on the campus to get you in. And everybody was for it because everybody wanted to party hard those days. So, you know, I had people signing people in left and right to get onto the campus. And it, was just, it wasn't a small amount of people. This was like hundreds of people. Wow. Yeah, it was like hundreds of people. And these parties, you know, easily 800, 900 people. And a lot of times everybody, everyone couldn't even get in. Wow. And they, and, and they didn't throw you out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, we, had, we had those nights where the, those parties were ridiculous, and they were like I said, they were on the school campus. They were at the on on the school grounds. Um, they just a lot of times they didn't have enough security on campus to even handle the floods of crowds. It was it was crazy. Wow. So yeah, I, I almost forgot to mention that part, right? So by the time I get to my third college, yeah. So now I'm at Queens College, but I'm touring. I'm going from school to school, but it's not just the local schools in New York. Now I'm touching the whole tri-state. Now I'm being booked in West Virginia. Now I'm being booked in Atlanta. Now I'm being booked in uh, Florida. And it's like, now I'm just moving all over like the East Coast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that at that time, I couldn't focus on school the way I wanted to. So I kind of put in uh my resignation <laughs> so to say <laughs> so i did i did about a semester and a half and then um i was like all right i got i really got to take a break because you know i couldn't balance my touring schedule and my school schedule you know because everybody you know you, you have to be in class and i was missing classes because i was on the road and you know after three absences they kind of give you a hard time in college and also, then, you know, you have other kids who maybe their parents are putting them through college and uh, and they they uh, they just, all they're doing is studying and going to school and it's a lot easier for them than when you have to of put yourself through college and follow your passion at the same time. It's a lot. Right, 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 right. So, you know, at the time of touring and doing all of this, I got dubbed College Club King because I was heavy in the colleges and I was heavy in the clubs. So, you know, the, the title matched uh, and it was a, it was actually a crew of DJs. It was uh, seven of us. And basically we we were all over at every single school, at every single club. You know, we were like the premier DJs of nightlife in New York City and the tri-state. Very cool. How'd you parlay that into becoming an international DJ? So... International. Uh, first, let me 
Let me also shout out to Tim Westwood over in uh, London because he's also featured me on his radio show on Capital Extra. I, I definitely want to give a big shout out to Tim Westwood. He's an icon basically in hip hop, especially when it comes to like overseas and London. And um, he's basically like funk master flex, if you would if you would say. Right, uh, right. Overseas, right, right. Um, so I do want to give a shout out to Tim Westwood, very good friend of mine. I've I've met him um touring. And uh, we've always kept in touch and he's always looked out and, you know, helped me along the way. Nice, nice. So overseas happened where this happened when I was with Cardi. So that, well, let's back up. Let's back up. So yeah, how let's, did, you, let's, how let's did you hook up with Cardi? All right. So with Cardi. So, of course, Cardi's from New York. I'm from New York. And at the time, at the time with Cardi... We, I met Cardi in, in the club. While you were working? Right, while I was working. But it's because we had mutual friends. Okay. So when we first met, it wasn't business. It wasn't It wasn't business when we first met. We just met casually, right? Yeah, um, like a net, network, networking thing. Right, right, right. And then this is when Instagram is just really becoming a popular thing. So, you know, she's making... She's making a whole bunch of videos on Instagram and these things are kind of just picking up and, and going viral, so to say, because I, I don't. And where's her, where's her career at at this point? At this point, she's just local. She's just a, she's just a dancer, local dancer. OK, so she's not famous yet. No, she's not famous. Not at all. Right. OK. I think that I think what really threw her into the beginning of her fame was her social media presence. You know, okay. she, she has a very great personality. And when Instagram started doing videos, it uh, it, it actually helped her uh, to propel her, her social media presence. At the time, she was doing like a whole bunch of funny videos on, on, on Instagram, funny, relatable videos that were like picking up steam. And, you know, it, th these things were kind of going viral. Now, was she, was she trying to be like an influencer or was she just trying to propel her career or was she just doing it for fun? She was just doing it for fun. I don't even think that even in her wildest dreams, she would have imagined what any of this would have turned into. I, I think a lot of us, we didn't. It's like you don't you kind of don't know, like when you're doing things naturally. You don't know where these things are going to really, really take you. I think it's, as it's progressing, you're just like, oh, wow, you know, um, <laughs> right. As it it, it kind of opens the doors as, as you're going along and as you're going you say along. right and you say well if I could do that well maybe we could do this right 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 you know so I think that that's 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 happening in her head you know where it's just like everything is just kind of happening um and everything was by design it wasn't like necessarily by accident I think her social media fame was more of by accident but everything preceding I mean everything following it it um you know it was it was kind of there was some structure to it she started out casually doing it but it, as it developed she decided that she could make something happen out of this right 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 so she picks up DJ self-manager so at the time when Cardi was picking up steam, she was also friends with DJ Self, who's a premier DJ in New York City. He's on Power 105. He, I think he originally was trying to manage her career, but it's very hard to be an artist yourself and manage someone else. Sure. So eventually, a man named Shaft, who was also managing DJ Self, 
took Cardi on as a project. Okay. So he was one of the visionaries that 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 said, "All right, we got to take her and bring her here, do this and do this and do this." You know, when I came on board on Cardi's project on the music end of it, I you know, I didn't come from like so she had she had like one or two songs already that she was putting out and doing things and then uh, me and her were, were working together in the clubs because we would just kind of perform at local clubs. But like I said, a little bit of it was for fun. Um, she was just known in New York. And then uh, her her manager, Shaft, you know, he, he saw a bigger, a bigger picture. And um, at the time, I wanted Shaft to manage me as well. I said, you know, my 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 DJ career is like, it's, I got so many, so many things going on. You know, you get to a certain point in your career. Now you need help because you have so many different things going on to manage everything you need. You have to bring a team on board to kind of help you. So originally I wanted Shaft to manage me, but the t- I think my timing was a little bit bad because he was managing self. Um, I think he was also managing Cardi and then, you know, Cardi was, she wasn't a phenomenon just yet, but as she was becoming more and more of a phenomenon, it was very hard to manage anything else around him, you know, because he needed that 100% attention on Cardi's project. Sure. All right. So we're in the clubs. Um, now I'm, I'm, I'm Cardi's DJ just simply because I'm there. I'm in the loop with them. Me and Cardi have chemistry already from being in the clubs. So now I'm going out with Cardi as well as doing my own events. Um, and we're going to places like Ohio. And then our first show, we did it in D.C. And now we're just kind of traveling all over the country. At the time when I first started with Cardi, I didn't know how big this was going to be. Like, I really didn't. I didn't even know. Right? Right. Of course. Well, how could you imagine it would explode the way it did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing is, I, I've I've worked with numerous artists from the ground up, and um, you know, like they they get a lot of them have gotten a little bit of steam, but not like a crazy amount, not like what Cardi did. Sure. And so you know, we working together, and then at the time, and I think we all we all approach this as as entertainers, right? Where it's like, hmm, they're always contemplating whether you should quit or keep going. At the time when I first, when I was first with Cardi, and this was around the age of 28, 29, I was with Cardi. And um, I remember my application came back from, I did like a backup because, you know, as an entertainer, you know, you you contemplate at what age do I give it up, right? Because like I said, this is a non-conventional thing that we're doing. Um, We're just kind of going with the wind almost. So I had applied for corrections around the age of 28 and then when i was 29 the application came back and they said that um, i got in and uh they put me with a recruiter i did uh the, all of the testing everything came back great you know so they was they was ready to put me inside the academy and this was for like i said department of corrections and i'm just like you know because i'm like well at some point i gotta stop living the entertainer lifestyle subscribe to the uh, more regular everyday life where i can have a family have a house and have certain things you know mm-hmm. because the truth the truth about being an entertainer and entrepreneur is that a lot of times as an entertainer and an entrepreneur we struggle sure um, 
you know, and that, that's part of what makes us so passionate about what we do is because although we struggle, we still pursue what we want. We still pursue these dreams. And this is why only the real passionate people come through because it takes so much dedication to be a, an artist of any kind, whether it be, you know, a rap artist, a musician or a DJ. It's all about the passion and sticking to it when the going gets tough, as they say, right? You know, right, right. When, you're, when you're struggling to put food on the table and you're struggling to pay your rent when you're young and you you just want to do it. And, you know, you're going out and you're playing clubs and you're knocking it out and you're staying out all night and you're just doing what you love to do and hope that it could pay the bills, right? Right, 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 right. You know, there's the amount of sacrifice that it even took to get where I'm at. It's like, it's an unbelievable thing, man. Um, I think that sometimes it's not talked about enough, especially with DJs and stuff, because people see us, they don't know. They don't know what it takes. You know, there was countless sleepless nights. Um, and this is, like I said, my career started before social media. Now it's like people just go on, you know, Instagram and then get cool and, or go on TikTok and get cool and stuff. I was actually outside. You know, I was out handing out flyers, putting up banners, out every night putting flyers on cars, showing up at this venue and that venue, basically shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah, you, you're working it. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's called paying your dues, right? Boy, oh boy. This brings me to a really good point because it's very easy to go out and buy the equipment and now with streaming services and everything, everybody's got access to the music. And I'm a DJ. Here I am. I'm a DJ. I, look, I got my equipment. This is where the value comes in for top people. The people who recognize that want guys like you because they recognize that there's a difference. I'm speaking from experience. I've been a musician and a band leader and booking bands and booking DJs my whole career, right? So... I've worked with lots of DJs and trust me, I've worked with some DJs who I wouldn't want to hire again. And I've worked with some DJs like yourself and I just look and I say, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's the way you carry yourself. It's the way you speak. It's the, your, your ability to read the audience, to play the right song at the right time, to keep the music going, to keep the party going, to know how to run a, a high-end event and know the dynamics that all of that's about with working with event planners and working with major D's and working with the clients and um, the lighting people and all of that kind of stuff and just knowing how to how to navigate all of that stuff and perform and your beat matching where it's not stopping in between each song or fading one song out, fading the other one and where you're, you're doing it the right way. So I recognize that in you, right? It's obvious how you got there. It didn't happen because you bought some gear. No, no, no. This, none of this was by accident. Or I tell people all the time to make it because they ask, you know, what does it take? And sometimes it's just consistency. Stick to it, you know, stick, like literally stick to it. It's, it's that. There's, it's kind of no luck in this, right? Because even the people that have luck, you know, eventually, you know, they'll get, you'll be, you'll be made an example of by not having enough preparation. People will know. Well, there's that saying where they say, uh, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. <laughs> right, right. Right? 
not the hard work. I mean, it's really not the luck. It's the hard work. That right. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Can you define your style or could you tell us like what's different about what you do? Could you elaborate somehow about that? I think so. You know, it, like you said before, it takes a lot to be a DJ. It's not just having equipment, right? Um, it's knowing how to read an audience, um, which I've had numerous and countless experience with, right? I've done I've 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 done clubs, I've done private parties, I've done concerts, I've done radio, and each each event I never approach it the same way. And I think that's where some some DJs mess up, right? They go to an event and they're just like, well, I, I DJ and I'm just gonna do and this is just how I do it. I see the same thing with band leaders. I hear it from the clients where they tell me they went to a wedding and some band had a set list and they had everybody had the set list and they played the set list regardless of what went on on the dance floor. Right. To me, it's like if you go in with a predetermined set list, whether it's a, you're a DJ or a band, and you're not you're not reacting to what's happening on the dance floor, then you're not doing your job. So, right. you know, part of part of the magic is feeling out the crowd. And when you play a certain song and you get the reaction that you want and you know where to go from there. Or if you don't get the reaction that you want, then you know to go somewhere else and then you know that other place to go. And that's not something that you could tell somebody. Like, you can't just buy some equipment and say, okay, here's the songs you play at the wedding. Go ahead, go do it. You have to know the know how to work that crowd you know how you have to know how to work your tempos you have to know how to work your different feels and in, in your situation i've seen you do weddings and you do every genre that people want but right i would say that you know hip-hop better than any any of the other djs that i've ever worked with would you say that's probably a good assessment very good assessment okay you know you know i think a lot of the djs that that make it in the private party world especially you know they don't necessarily come from the club background you know they come from doing other private parties right and some of the guys that's inside the club you know they come from doing other clubs and not necessarily doing private parties right right so with me you get the the, the fusion of both worlds and you know like i said I, I i i approach each event a little bit different and i also understand the psychology the music um, or at least I try to understand the psychology of the music because music is not just, well, it's a song and it's good. It's not just that. There's a feel. There's a mood. So, you know, I know I know how music makes people feel and I know what, what how music can put people into a mood. So as I'm going through the night, I'm feeling out what they call a vibe and I'm just feeling out the room where, all right. In the room needs more energy, and I kind of think, what what are the songs that I can infuse some more energy into the room? And I use the music basically to create the right atmosphere. It's not just I'm gonna put this song with this song just because the client gave me a list. Like yes, I'll take a list, you know, from a client from clients so I can know what they like. But that's that's more to kind of create the mood and atmosphere for their event. There's always gonna be songs that I gotta put in. Like all right. These are the songs that's going to fit to create this mood for the client, you know? Sure. What I tell the clients is that I want your list. I want to know what you want me to play and what you don't want me to play because I want you to kind of point the ship in the right direction. Right. right. But I'm going to navigate it as 
as as those waves are coming at me. Right. Right. Like like I'm I'm the chef. You give me give me all the ingredients you want, give me all the ingredients you don't want. But there there might be there might be some ingredients I might leave out and there's going to be some ingredients that I add simply because I want to make the best what I for 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 my profession, from from my knowledge, from my experience, I want to give you the best best prepared meal. Right. And and uh you might throw in a spice that they didn't think of. Yeah. So yeah, so that and and that's really really what I do. And the thing with me, you know, a lot of people go into this business, and like you said, it's about money. But for me, I never I never did this for money. I never this this was never about money for me. Money was just what came out of it, but it wasn't. That's never what it's been about to this day. I I don't I don't it, I don't want to say I don't care about money because we all do, right? Because we have bills to pay. Well, you have to. Yeah, we have to. I I have to get paid for what I do, so I have to charge. You know, but let's say, for example, I had Bill Gates money and I'm just like filthy rich or whatever. You know, I can do shows and not really care about being paid because it's it's more of a passion job. You know, my my job, it makes me happy to see other people happy. At the same token, um, you should be paid according to your skill set. Yes. Not to overcharge, but you're worth a certain price and you should be paid a certain price. And you know what? People re- will respect you more if you charge what you, what you deserve to get. Because, you know, I've had plenty of times where people have said, well, how come this guy's less than this guy? Or how come this guy's more than this guy? You know, and really what it comes down to is it comes down to not only how good you are, how how popular you are and how long you've been doing this look i'm sure there was a transition for you you know you're getting top dollar as a touring international dj and then now you want to do private events but people don't really know you in the private event field so you got to start not from the bottom but you kind of have to start at a lower rung and work and work your way back up and you'll get up to the top quicker but it's it's a you know it's a transition right so which 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 you've already navigated so now you're at a point where you're not only you you you've conquered the international dj thing and now you're at the top of the game of the private event industry so you should be paid accordingly yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one thing that clients love about me, um, especially because, you know, now the generation that's getting married, they're like in their late 20s and stuff. I'm still able to relate. I'm not out of tune with that audience, but then I can still do an older crowd. So I, I bring like all of the necessary elements to the table that they want, especially a lot of these people. They're, they're, they go to the club every now and then or they're in the club frequently. And they still want to get that same energy, which, you know, if you're not somebody that's been in the club, you may not know how to guide the music properly to get to the buildup that they want. Sure. I bring that fusion. And because I've always held a, a great reputation and, and pride in the work that I do, people trust that I'm going to be on time. They trust that I will be when and where I say I will be. You know, where a lot of guys struggle is they're late all the time. And, um, you know, I think that's the biggest downfall of, of DJs trying to make a name because when people are paying you, you know, lateness is not even an option. Well, it's not, they're not only paying you, but they're paying a hundred other people and they're all on the clock. And 
you're going to make the party happen, right? It's not like Absolutely. it's not like the 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 photographer was late or you know the coffee was late. Right, right. Without you, there's no party. So you got to be there. And and look in the level of the clientele that we have, people understand that's why they hire us because they want reliability and and uh, and the professionalism that comes with all of that. Yeah. Backtracking a little bit about you know when you're talking about finances, sustainability in having a career in the music business is extremely hard. So a lot of times you have a window of when you're on top of your game that you have this opportunity to now make something out of what you've been working on for years and years. So, uh, and and it's seasonal, right? Yes. We're in the month of November now. And, you know, once we hit January, the special events and wedding industry. It's slow. <laughs> it's slow. It's definitely oh. slow, unless you do like a thing where you're going down to Florida for the winter or something like that, you know. Right, 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 right. I have another question for you. Uh, yes. Because I have seen, I'm a little older than you, and I have seen a lot of changes in the private event and wedding industry. And I know you've seen some since you started. So could you comment yeah. that, uh, about that a little bit? Whether it's whether it's the technology or whether it's the the clientele or the venues or anything equipment wise or anything. All right. So yeah. So there's been numerous changes, right? So let's 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 first talk about technology. Now we're in a we're we're at a day and age where it's affordable for anybody to really come in in any aspect of this of this game, whether it be the DJ or the event planner or whatever it might be, because equipment is more readily available, right? There's been so many advances in technology that's made it easier for amateurs to come in and basically, you know, parade around as if they're pros. Right. Which makes it very difficult for the clients because they like they they don't know because they they seen pictures and videos but they can't tell the pros from the amateurs the new guys from the veterans, so I think it makes it harder for the clients and then it kind of skews clients' perception because they might feel like well, why is this guy this amount of money when this guy is just like I can get him for a couple of hundred bucks. He's just and it's like they they don't realize because they're looking at him. He's a pro. He's a pro. Why is he overcharging me? And this guy must be the right price. See what I'm saying? Yep. So it, it, it skews that line. Well, the other thing is there's only 52 Saturdays in the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You only have 52 opportunities to do a Saturday night. You only have 52 Fridays. You only have 52 Sundays. And let's face right. it, you're not going to do a lot of weddings on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. In New York, you mm. could pick up some Thursdays, but it's not like a Saturday. A Friday's not like a Saturday. A Sunday's not like a Saturday. It, no. you know, so there's only so many days where you could make a living. We put in as musicians and artists and DJs, we put in, and I'm talking about real serious people. I'm not talking about weekend warriors, people who are full time. We, oh, for, yeah, full time. Uh, our mm. time that we devote to learning our craft is more than a doctor oh yes right because yes. a doctor has a you know a certain amount of years he's got to go to school and and it's tough but we do it for longer and we probably put in just as many if not more hours because we're, we have that passion and that dedication and we don't we're not counting the hours because we're doing it because we love it yep yep 
you know, some of the, yeah, and that and that's what people don't account for, right? They're like, well, how, why do you charge so much? Well, you know, it's because of, you you know, part of it is you're paying for the experience. You're paying you're paying for who I am, the experience of who I am, and what I bring to the table. The experiences of every other what every other event has trained me to do. You know, when you have a certain number of events under your belt, you were you know trained by these events. You learn music through these events. You know, part of part of being a DJ is I learn from every crowd that I go to. There's something that I learn, you know. So because every crowd is just inherently different every everywhere you go, the request will be different everywhere you go. But your job is to to learn from each of these events and carry it along with you as knowledge. So when you approach another event, you already have this knowledge. Oh, I know how to handle this crowd. I've done something similar. So I asked you to be part of this because the. The podcast is called Wedding Masters. And, yes. and I feel that you are a wedding master at, a, at DJing. And let's talk about your approach to a wedding. Let's talk about you get a call from a client and the couple decides you're going to be their DJ. What, yes. What's the next step that, that you do? So the next step that I do is I, I usually... Because some 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 clients don't have wedding planners, and obviously it's their first time uh, getting married, so they generally don't know the format, right? Like in New York, let's use New York as an example. You know, most catering halls and venues in New York they kind of follow the same timeline, and I kind of walk my clients through that so they can understand what to expect on their day of. Um, and that's just through experience, you know. So I'll I'll be able to like basically walk them through, and then from there. I allow them to pick appropriate music. And a lot of times we're having meetings and we're touching base throughout the whole process. And I tell my clients all the time, you know, my phone is always on. At any point where you have a question, a concern or an issue, anything at all you want to ask me, feel free to ask me because I probably know the answer for you. I've done it so many times. So feel free to ask me because you know, who else are you going to ask? You know, I'm your DJ. I'm the person who you're going to speak to throughout the whole process. So, you know, one thing I do want clients who are looking to get married to understand is you're not paying your talent just for the day of. It's not just the four hours, you know, coming, leading into your, for, for your event. You're paying them for everything leading up to, and sometimes a little bit after, right? If they have post-production work and different things that they have to handle for your event, you're paying them for everything. Sure. And those hours aren't accounted for. But yes, we are prepping music. You know, once I'm getting a feel of what they like, now I got to do research. Now I got to, you know, get on the computer, let's say, and maybe, hey, if they want some 80s music or some 70s music or some 90s music. Luckily, I, I've I've done this so many times that now these these eras, you know, I know them. But before I knew them, I had to get in front of a computer. I had to download and I had to research and I had to call people who knew more than me and say, hey, how do I approach this? Let's say, for example, you wanted some 70s or 80s music. You know, what are the hits that are recognizable that you may want to hear? You know, and I would ask somebody from that era, pick their brain. And then I would come back to my computer. I would put together ideas. Then I would be at home and I would practice and see how this sounds with this and see how that sounds with that and kind of create and and see how I feel with the music and then and then go back 
to other people and pick their brains again. And this is why it's important to have other people in the same field as you that you can look to as mentors or even have uh, protégés, you know, that keep you in tune with some of the music that you may not know that's coming out. Sure. Yeah, and that's why um, you and me and Neza and a bunch of us, you know, we communicate with each other and we talk shop because uh, it's important for us to help each other out and just be more on top of everything. Do you give the clients a song list? So I don't give them a song list. In other words, like, what, I'm, what, what I'm asking is a song list. Let's say you give them 300 songs and say, here's some suggestions of requests that people always ask me for. Or do you just kind of do a go, a back and forth thing with the client? I kind of do a back and forth. I, I like to let them freely tell me what they want and really cater it to them, right? Because at, we're at a day and age where everyone's streaming, especially, so they all have Spotify playlists or they have Apple Music things that they listen to, you know? But I'll, I'll kind of quiz them and kind of understand who they are as a person. Where did, where did you guys grow up? Just to kind of get a feel of where they grew up because somebody, let's say, they came from uh, Queens, New York. It might be a little bit different if you came from the Bronx, right? Because if you came from like the Bronx, some of the music that you like is a little more Spanish infused. Mm -hmm. If you came from like a Brooklyn, New York, maybe the music that you like is a, a little bit more more Caribbean, like uh, reggae or soca infused. You know, so I know the di different demographics of New York City, so I kind of want to get that feel. All right, when were you guys in high school and college, and kind of get the idea of what were the songs playing at that time, right? Because there's nothing better than nostalgia when it comes to music. So a lot of our nostalgia is what our college and our high school days. So that's always pretty important. And a lot of times when they tell me the the date ranges, then I'm like, oh, okay, I know what was playing at those times, and. Uh, I'm able to throw some surprises in there, like, and then they, they get on the floor, like, oh, I remember this, and it's like, wow, I forgot this, I forgot all about this, but I remember this, and it's like, you know, you get to surprise them with moments. What just came to my my mind is one of the events that you and I did together at Ohika Castle for an an NFL player, uh, Benjamin Saint Juice from the Washington Commanders. Yes, his group of friends was very unique because it was a lot of guys from the team and they're from all different parts of the country and right. and you recognized that there's you know San Francisco hip hop and there's Chicago hip hop and there's New York hip hop and there's Atlanta hip hop and there's Miami hip hop right. and right. for the life of me I wouldn't know the difference but you <laughs> you know you know all of that stuff and I watched you adapt and play stuff that I never even heard before and but they loved it right and there were some people in there from Canada and from overseas so you know and that and that's that's why I said it's like you when you're booking me as part of it is you're getting my experience as well because I've been to places all over the country like you know you go to certain states and you know they don't listen to Jay-Z Jay-Z is number one in New York but let's go to the West Coast. You may not be talking about Jay-Z anymore. It's, it's you know, it's a whole different demographic. You know, now the guy over there might be Tupac or you might be doing like hyphy music or what they do on the West Coast. You know, down in Texas, they used to do something called Chop and Screw that was big in Texas, but you go to DC and they want go-go. So every part of the country has different elements of music that they kind of subscribe to and you, you know that's important as a dj is to understand that every room you walk into is not going to be the same and you have to understand 
who's who's in front of you you know so so that's part of my client interviews right it's like you know tell me about your family where they're from any caribbean descent or any other countries and you kind of understand who they are you know because if they tell me hey you know i'm my family's from south america or my my family's from africa or my family's from you know here and there and here and there i kind of know like the mix of people that's going to be in that room right you know? right and and that that comes full circle back to what we talked about a, a while ago and that is reading the crowd that's in front of you and right. When you're, when you're talking with your clients, you're talking about a, usually six months or a year from now, and, right, and you're yeah. trying to predict what the mood is going to be like in that room a year from now. It's yeah. really almost impossible. So that's yeah. why the predetermined set list for me, it just doesn't make any sense. For me, yeah. you know, what we talked about and the way you and I both handle things is reading the crowd that's in front of you and reacting to what's what's happening it's a good idea to get a heads up you want to get a heads up like i said you want you want the brides and grooms to 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 point that ship in the in the direction that they want it to go and then they go okay sparks take it over and you and you go from there and also another good point you made is that when you you're booking these uh, events so far in advance you have plenty of time to to plan and plans change that's the oh yeah you know so as you're going along you might start talking about things and then all of a sudden different things develop and and then they start talking about parent dances and they start talking about cake cutting music and how they want to be introduced and what kind of music is going to be playing while they're introduced and all of that kind of stuff and that's why i always save that those find details about those exact songs for like about a month or so before because it it changes and as a matter of fact i have i have a wedding i'm doing next saturday and i got an email from the bride today changing her her dance with her father right right you know so it's always evolving and changing but but like you said you spend all that time with the client and by the time I know you because by the time you get to the to the wedding, you're already like friends with the bride and groom because you you know each other so well. You spent so much time talking about all this stuff that when they see you, when they walk in the room and they see you up there and they go, you know what? Sparks got it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to micromanage my wedding. I could let him take over and I could go just go have some fun. And that's really what our job is, right? Right. In closing... What uh, other event production services do you offer? So just, you know, in, in growing in the industry, you know, being being a DJ is cool. But, you know, being that I'm there, I always want to maximize and, uh, you know, bring bring more to the table. So I, I do provide uh, lighting for events. I provide photo booths. Uh, I can do uh, TVs and different presentations. Uh, video walls and stages you know basically i can do a full full-on production i have systems big enough to do concerts i have all the line array systems that that you can imagine pretty much i have it all so i can do something as small as a you know private party or as big as a concert nice the lighting that you have like uh, is it up lighting around the ballroom is it stage lighting is it a combination of both 
it's it's both so i have uh i use a lot of intels like moving heads mm -hmm. and uh i also have up lighting yep intelligent lighting moving heads on top of the uh vertical trusses right vertical truss yep right yep it, it's just for me it's it's cleaner that way you know back early 2000s we used to do like a crossbar over the overhead for the dj yeah that that industrial look yeah yeah we stopped doing it years and years ago you know that i think that was a quick way to throw them up there but uh it's a lot cleaner and sleeker the way that we do it nowadays with the vertical truss yeah it's 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 more elegant i think yeah and um and even even now to this day you know i'm thinking of different ways to redesign my look as far as uh, what I bring to the wedding scene and not just the standard what you see at every single wedding. You know, um, I'm right now I'm exper experimenting with different florals. Um, like one of the things I got recently was a floral front board. I want to try, you know, different looks because uh, I've seen people that do different themes where they do like all red roses and, and different things. And I want to have like different floral looks and kind of bring the florals out now, you know, um, as just something different on the wedding scene where, you know, you'll see a DJ set, but it's just bland, right? Now I just want to bring in the florals. Everybody loves florals. I love florals. I want to do like different floral looks and kind of enhance the, the aesthetic of, of people's events now. Would a, a client have an option to have a different look that you'll bring? Right. So when we're doing that, I would need to connect with the florist. So that way we're on the same page. So that way we're using, you know, similar floral patterns and colors and different things. And I would basically create a DJ booth from the florals and kind of bring that bring that aesthetic to, to the event. Nice. That's, that's, you know? that, that's unique. Yeah. You know, you know what it is nowadays? Part of it is the experience is not just the talent right some some of the experience is the aesthetic because our generation now that's coming in they're more visual than ever you know they want to have pictures they want to be able to post on social media and different things so you know the aesthetic is a very huge part of millennials and what is it gen z is that what it is <laughs> I, I lost track <laughs> <laughs> yeah i lost track. so it's a very very the aesthetic is a very very big thing so nice yeah, that's really cool. Oh, you know what? I just realized that we didn't come back to the international thing because we we were started to talk about how you went international, and <laughs> right, right, and then right. we got we went into the Cardi, and we never came back to the international. So, want to touch on that? So, um, international. So, uh, again, that 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 started because of Cardi. Um, we started getting booked and I started to tour overseas. And as I toured overseas, I made sure that obviously I made a lot of contacts. You know, I've been to France. I've been to Amsterdam. I've been to London. I've uh, been all over the Caribbean, you know, and I think each each has showed me something different. Um, One thing that it showed me as well is just how much of in a bubble we are when we live in the U.S. and we kind of don't know what's happening outside of our own country. But the thing with other countries is they know everything that's happening here with us musically and so on so it's really a beautiful thing when you do go out the country especially as a performer it's like you get your all due respect nice and you know i think it's an experience that every performer should have is to do overseas venues because you, you'll get a different perspective of just your work and it, it, it'll give you a different vision on how to move forward and i'm sure that's helped you when you've been in 
company of an international guest list? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the funny thing is over the summer, I did a, a wedding for a client and they were from France and they got married to someone here in the U.S. And because they were from France and I had experience with DJing in France, I was able to play a lot of music from France that that does not play that that, you know, you wouldn't know if you just live here. So, you know, like I said, I take the experiences that I have and I make sure that, you know, I use it as a learning experience and I apply it when necessary. Nice. Well, this is uh this has been really cool. Thank you so much for doing this. This is uh really a lot of fun and really informative and uh you know, you've you've definitely touched on a lot of different areas that uh um I wouldn't have thought of. I thank you for doing this. Thanks a lot. No, not not a problem. And as a as a closing note for all of the entertainers that are listening, any musicians, any performers, um just always look to you know, take your craft to the next level for the client. Always consider consider the aesthetics of what you bring, how you're presenting yourself. Present yourself how you want to be received. If you want to be perceived as a top tier performer, you present yourself that way. You know, just always do those things and you will always elevate. You'll always you'll always take it to the next level. And on that note, I thank you again and I'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Bill, for having me. You're welcome. If you'd like any more information about getting in touch with DJ Sparks, you can check out the website www.nybeatsdjs.com. That's newyorkbeatsdjs.com. Or you can send an email to nybeatsdjs at yahoo.com. Be sure to subscribe to Wedding Masters Podcasts. Until next time, this is your host, Bill Massanetti from New York Orchestra's Entertainment, saying thank you so much for listening.